Well, hello, my friends. How are you? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Dear Matchmaker. I am so excited to have you here. Welcome to my little home away from home. Uh, you know, I'm always so thrilled and honored that when you decided to uh, click on this episode and say, yes, I'm going to commit. I'm going to listen to Kat today. Um, it always means the world to me. So a huge thank you to you as the listener. Um, it always means so much to me. And if you find yourself coming back uh, to Dear Matchmaker on more than one episode, I would love it if you would subscribe. Your subscribes are everything. It, it teaches Apple and Spotify and all these other platforms that this is a podcast worth listening to. And, you know, that's how we get, make the greater impact is becoming bigger and brighter. And the way that we do that is through your subscribe. So if anything, if you have not subscribed yet, you know how much um, I appreciate your subscribes. And so please make sure and do that. And if you're brand new, maybe you want to wait, maybe you want to be like, Hmm, let me see what this is all about. I want to see if I even want to subscribe, which I don't blame you. So welcome to your matchmaker. I'm your hostess with the mostest matchmaker and dating coach, Kat Cantrell. Welcome to the show. And our goal here is to help you is to create uh, great content to help you become a more effective and empowered dater, to help you know that you're not alone, to help you add tools to your toolbox when it comes to connection and what can I do in my own dating life so that I can have greater dates, which will bring greater connection. Uh, and part of that is here. Yes, I'm, I, I'm here to tell you all the things, but also through incredible guests. And I have a special guest for you today. Uh, Kristen Sokol, she and I met for the first time, um, at love MBA, which I think if you've been an avid listener, you know, that I went to love MBA. Oh my gosh. How long ago was that? It was almost two months ago at this point. And I met Kristen. She's based in Utah and, um, I met her and just, you know, you just meet people and they have this incredible energy about them. And you're just like, wow, I really want to get to know this person. And there were so many other people that were there. And then she reached out to me after the, after the love MBA and, um, that I tell you what, that just meant the world to me. And I, um, I took it as a sign and I was like, I want to have her on the show. Um, and you know, I, this my job here is that I, you know, I know that I don't know everything. I wish I did. Do I though? Do I though? Not sure. But I'm learning all of the time and I'm learning from my peers. And I, this is why I went to Love MBA so I can learn from Rachel Greenwald so I can understand more about how to be a much greater at my uh, craft and what I'm doing here. And, um, and, you know, this is no exception you know, I wanted to bring Kristen on. She is, um, she is also a dating coach, but she, again, having an open conversation with her and talking to her. I mean, I'm learning, you know, every single episode and every time I have a guest, I'm always learning. So let me, let me just give her a formal introduction and we're just going to dive into it because we're going to talk about some pretty incredible things. Um, and I'm so excited about that, but let me do a little like her little bio. So Kristen Sokol is a certified science-based dating coach with nearly 20 years of experience. She completed graduate level education and coaching at the University of Texas and holds an ICF professional certified coach credential. 
She specializes in working with one-on-one with clients over 35 who've struggled to make romantic connections and have less romantic experiences than they want. And she even said this on um, during our interview, but in 2024, she's excited to start offering a new group coaching format, offering more affordable coaching to anyone wishing to find love ASAP. Amen, sister. Who doesn't want to find love ASAP, right? So I'm so excited to uh, bring her to Dear Matchmaker. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Kristen Sokol to Dear Matchmaker. Kristen. Yes. Hello. I'm here. Hello. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here on Dear Matchmaker. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. I love your show. I've listened to many episodes. You always do such a good job. So I'm just so honored to be a guest here. Wow. I'm so honored to have you here. I am so excited too that our paths had crossed. We're both, we yes. went to the, to, um, love MBA and that's where we met. And, um, yes. you had created one of the things that I thought that was just, I could, you can always tell when people are amazing, incredible connectors, when they make an effort to do something special and unique to make other people feel at ease and feel more included and you and your teenage daughter, is that right? Yeah. Two actually daughters. You're both your teenage daughters had made these little heart bracelets. And I tell you what, I could (laughs) not get enough of them. I think actually, I think I'm wearing one right now that I'm talking about it. I am. I am wearing one right now. Oh, I love um, it. I wish I was too. I, um, it's just, you know, I, I'm a type of person that commemorates when I have these incredible opportunities in my life. I love to get like little trinkets and things that will help me kind of put me back there and put me in those moments. And and so, yes, anchors. Exactly. So thank you so much. Um, so I, of course, when I met you and, and then we had connected afterwards, um, I was just like, I need to have her on the podcast. Cause I just feel like you have so much goodness to offer, um, my oh. audience. And I, you know, I'm a firm believer that there's not enough of us really who are doing this work and I don't know everything. And mm-hmm. I'm just so excited to learn from you and then have my audience also learn from you and, so it's, yeah. again, I'm just so happy to have you here. So let's just dive in. Why don't Great. you well, tell the audience a little bit about you? Well, first, I don't know if your audience is mostly in Iowa, which is, I know where you are, but I have family from Iowa, from um, Marshalltown State Center. So I love Iowa. I have, I I bought a sweatshirt that said Iowa at the grocery store while I was there. Um, we went to visit my sister-in-law and her husband was in medical school. So I always tell people I went to medical school in Iowa because I did go to the medical school to pick up my brother-in-law one time. So there now you go. I, yeah. So the, the, people are really impressed at parties with the fact that I, I went love to that. School. I love that. Oh my gosh. Um, and the bracelets, FYI, we went to Taylor Swift in Denver, me and my teenage daughters and my husband actually came too. So we had to make bracelets for the show because that's what everybody was doing and then it was so much fun and it was such a great way to meet strangers and they became fast friends so I thought why not make all these bracelets for other people who are in the love industry with me I know that they're gonna love them and they did exactly what I wanted them to do which was you know instant friends with people so yeah yeah so okay I'm sorry I I derailed what was your first question 
No, I want the audience to know about you. So how did you get into this work? Just a little bit about you, whatever you feel that you would love to share. I have been in this industry now for coming up on 20 years, if you can believe that. Oh, you know, quasi. I started evolving into it about 20 years ago. So um, I was a newspaper reporter back in the year 2003. Um, My very last single girlfriend, we were in our late 20s, um, she met a guy on Yahoo Singles. So that's how long ago. I remember Yahoo Singles, yes. (laughs) Um, she got engaged the weekend she got engaged. I knew my life was over. In fact, when she first started dating him and canceled plans with me the first time I was so disappointed and I saw the writing on the wall and I knew she was going to marry this guy. I, um, that night I watched, um, how to lose a guy in 10 days on my laptop in my bed. And when the movie ended, I watched it again. That's, I mean, I watched it twice in a row because I was just so like, Oh, what am I going to do? Little did I know weeks later, she created an online dating profile for me against my will while I cried about it on her couch. So 2003, this was a thing, but only really desperate people were doing it. I thought and online dating, I mean, so, um, she created this online profile for me against my will. She was an, an aspiring photographer at the time. And she had this brand new invention called a digital camera. <laughs> and that was the first time, like really any of us had seen our faces on a computer screen. Like right. that was brand new technology, believe it or not. That's how far we've come in 20 years. I know. Um, so as soon as she had me out there and I saw what an online dating not it wasn't an app at the time website looked like it was like oh this is actually amazing because all these guys are here they've got their hands raised saying they are interested in dating you know not necessarily me but they were interested in dating they're all single that was a unique thing for me to find after you know post-college and I don't go to bars so like it was it was hard for me to meet people that were single and wanting to date Um, and I told you before I was a newspaper reporter, so I had these skills in writing and interviewing. So meeting people through the written word and being able to ask questions and break the ice that way really spoke to my soul. Weeks later, I met a guy who was living in California. I was in Utah. Um, we started exchanging these really lengthy messages back and forth. Um, and the, you know, long story short, the universe made a way for us to meet only weeks into our communicating and we fell in love quickly and got married and it's been 20 years. So now we have daughters who are 18 and about to be 16. um, And he's still the love of my life, the apple of my eye. It's better today than it was when we, when we met. Um, And, you know, I'm just really just so lucky. So after I met him, Uh, a girlfriend of mine that I had grown up with was now divorced. um, And she came to me and said, Hey, you met Steve and he's such a great guy. And, you know, I know you guys met online and that's been something I wanted to try, but you have to like put together this whole profile. And I don't know what I would say about myself. Will you help me with that? And so I was like, Oh, heck yeah, I will absolutely help you with that. And, you know, she was a, a particular gal and maybe maybe on the high maintenance side um not really but um but she she you know had high standards and so I wrote her a profile that I thought would attract the type of guy 
that would want to be with somebody like her. I mean, she was very beautiful, very put together. Um, and lo and behold, this profile that I wrote for her attracted her guy just in weeks. Mm. Um, and they met and got married and they're still married to this day. And she referred a friend of hers to me who I didn't know quite as well. Um, but I had all these skills as a newspaper reporter. So I just, you know, used my skills to pull out the story, put together who she was trying to attract, and lo and behold, it worked for her too. And so, you know, over about five years, I just started doing that more and more for, for friends and then friends of friends and then like their friends. And it got to be like, gosh, maybe I could make some money from doing this. And I sure like it more than writing government beat newspaper articles. So um, I, you know, over about five years time, I transitioned a lot more of my professional time to writing other people's online dating profiles. And then one of my profiles that I'd written for a client um, attracted a gal who um, they, my client and her started dating. She, believe it or don't, worked for a matchmaking firm. I had no idea that such a thing was, was real um, until that time. I just thought it was the Hallmark Channel. I mean, and that's it, you know, matchmaking right. firm. So um, they, when they heard what I was doing and how her, their employee had met her husband, you know, by the way, they did get married. Um, they wanted to meet me and long story short, I ended up adding a whole line of service to what they were doing. They weren't doing anything with online dating before. And I added this whole, you know, line of service for them to sell. They fed me clients constantly. I was working a lot more hours than than what I really intended or wanted to because I had little kids at home at the time. Um, but I loved it. It was I, you know, found it was my passion. I wanted to do more and more of it. I had an opportunity to learn more about the science of healthy relationships and received, you know, some of the best training. In fact, that's where I met Rachel for the first time, Rachel Greenwald, who mm -hmm. that's where you and I met at her Love MBA. Um, so I met her and found out there was all this that you could learn about relationships. And um, so about two years in, I decided I got to go back to school. Right. I, I got to be I mean, there are things that coaches know that I don't know because I didn't have any. I mean, I had a degree, but not in coaching. So I found a, a, a program at the University of Texas um, in Dallas. They did a totally distance um, that part of their master's program was offering a executive coaching credential. Mm -hmm. um, that was certified by the ICF. So like, this is the, you know, the real deal coaching credentials. So yes. I did that yes. program. Um, I got the credential and I just started working. Uh, I mean, I never coached executives. Um, you know, what I learned there was more professional on the end, but the process of coaching is the same, no matter what you're coaching about. So we just extrapolate and apply a lot of, of that education that I received to, you know, love and developing new relationships. Um, so I've been doing that ever since I've been working almost 10 years solo on my own here. Um, you know, after having my credential and I love what I do, I work mostly with women. Um, I would say about 70, 30 men versus women. Um, most of my clients are over 35. Um, that being said, you know, I do have outliers who are younger or much older than that, but between 35 and 50 seems to be my, my sweet spot. Not for any real reason. That's just who has come to me. Um, I don't hardly do any marketing. Um, my clients are, are word of mouth referrals. Um, I see between, you know, four and eight clients a day. 
Um, and I've been doing that now for years and years. Um, I'm about to start a, a group coaching um, program in January. And yeah, that's a little about my business. <laughs> oh, and you're going to do, you're going to do group coaching. I'm so excited for that for you. Yeah, I have, well, I just have more, I hate waiting lists yeah. and I have more clients than I can. So rather than make them wait, I think I'll group them up. And I do think there are, there's a real advantage to having a community, you know, yes. as a solo practitioner myself, like plugging into the love MBA and having a community makes such a huge difference that I was like, duh, obviously I want my clients to have this too, right? We're all going through the same thing, doing the same thing. We need each other. And so I think group coaching is actually going to be, it's going to cost less and it's going to provide more value to clients than, than what they could get on just with me one-on-one. Although I am great. great. You are great. Yes. Why not? Well, yes. Well, yes. and I, and I think that there is, I mean, to your point, there is, um, I've done group coaching, um, in my work and I think it, there are some people that will gravitate more towards the one-on-one and the, but there are people that are willing to, that want that community that want to know that they're not alone, that want to be able to have, you know, someone there to support them as you know, you're both in the trenches together, right. Dating. Yeah. And cause a lot, I know in, in my work, um, whether it be coaching or matchmaking, part of helping people, um, I always have the saying of like, you must bring romance into your own life. Like in order Mm -hmm. to have, you know, to have romance, you need to know what it feels like bringing it to yourself. And so part of that is by creating communities and like uh, doing things with friends and enhancing your own quality of life. And a lot of these singles don't have a lot of single friends. Yeah. Like the majority of their friends are married. And so by creating an online community for um, these other single women, I think is fantastic. Yeah. So have to commend yeah. you on that. That's I'm, amazing. I'm super excited about it. It's yeah. still upcoming. I'm like pulling it together, but I, oh, that's so exciting. I'm very, I'm very pleased um, yes. with how far it's come. Yeah. Already. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I, um, so you and I were, we, you and I could pretty much talk about anything I feel like. And, but we, so recently you had an article in your local paper there in Utah and I saw it on LinkedIn and I saw it. Um, I think you shared it to the love MBA because we have our own little Facebook group. Um, and (laughs) they, um, one of the quotes that you, that you're, that you had said in there is about the clients that you work with uh, they, that they get, the, they go from single to married usually within six to 18 months. Is that what you said? Yes. 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 So, so I did give that quote and, and, you know, I, I've got to give some, um, oh, what's the word where uh, a qualifier, right? There's a qualifier. Yes. yes. Some people hire me and they just want to throw money at a problem and they right. don't really intend to, to do the work or to change. I'm not as successful with those, but when I have clients who, who implement the things that they learn, who, who open themselves to, who have these aha moments and they make subtle changes, right? It's not about big sweeping change. It's about subtle changes. Yes. Almost without exception, six to 18 months, they're married. In fact, I had a client who reached out to me and it's funny, I've been troubleshooting um, uh, with a client who I worked with about 18 months ago. And she reached out to me maybe two months ago and was like, I'm in this thing, but it's kind of like friend zone, but I think he wants more. I certainly want more, but I don't think either one of us knows how to like promote this. And so I gave her some, some strategy. Um, 
and she texted me this weekend and told me they're getting engaged. So it's just like, you know, and this weekend as I was scrolling through Facebook, you know, I I did a lot of posting because I had this big article that had come out about my business and, and I was scrolling through and just seeing couple after couple after couple who were clients who are now married and yeah, six to 18 months, I, you know, qualified six to 18 months. That's what typically happens for my clients. It's exciting. And I, so we thought that let's talk about your success formula. Let's talk about, I would love to to hear. Yeah. I would love to hear about, uh, more about that because I, okay. Four things. Yes. Um, four things. And if you have listeners, maybe you want to write this down. This is not rocket science. I am no genius, right? This is not rooted in any science. There's no research backing this up. This is Kristen Sokol's observation about what's going right for the clients of mine who are getting married within six to 18 months. So here's the formula. This is the Kristen Sokol Sokol, um, success formula. I wish I had a better name, but I don't. Number one, belief. Mm-hmm. positive belief plus good strategy mm-hmm. plus accountability mm-hmm. plus luck. Mm. Those four things. And what I've noticed about luck, right? We can call this God's timing or fate or whatever you want. What I have noticed about luck is that it comes around for people on a regular basis kind of like a lunar, like a lunar, like a full moon, like it's nothing to do with the full moon, but you know, every once a Cycle. month, yeah. full, right. And so when you have positive belief on your side, when you are deploying good strategy, using good strategy, um, and that you've been accountable to, then you notice when luck is on your side, right? When fate is there, when the window is open and you can jump through it. Right. But when we're so mired in our own negative self-talk or self-loathing or, you know, our negative belief, we're not noticing if or when there are good opportunities in our orbit. And we're certainly not taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Right. We have to have positive belief connected with good strategy. We have to be doing that consistently enough, you know, accountability to be able to recognize and take those leaps when they come in front of us. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, uh, you know, I, um, I have the saying, um, the words that we speak become the house that we live in. I didn't, I didn't create that. I read it somewhere and, and it just yeah, like, that's, that's powerful. It just really stuck with me. And it's, it's so true with really all aspects of our life, but belief, right? The words that we speak, like love isn't for me. I'll never find love. Uh, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm too much. I'm, you know, this negative, I have a bad picker. I have a bad picker. Right. And how can it possibly find its way in there? Like it could present itself and be right in front of you, but if you don't believe in it, how are you, how are you ever going to see it? And if you're not attracting it, like, here's the thing, as we kind of peel back some of the layers in our own brain biology, I'm not a neuroscience, but I know a a tiny bit about the biology of the brain. There's a system in the brain called the reticular activating system. I'm not sure if you've heard of that or if your listeners have, I I promise you're using it. So you've heard people talking about manifesting. Yes. 
very familiar or the law of yes. attraction, very familiar. Yes. Um, what it's not mystical. It really does come down to brain science. So this piece of the brain, the reticular activating system, worth a study, go do a deep dive. So it's part of the brain that filters and prioritizes incoming data. So you've got these five senses that are bringing in input 24 hours a day, seven days a week, five senses. Your brain cannot process all that data at once. So it picks the most important pieces and fades the rest out into the oblivion of the subconscious. Hmm. Right. So coming back to what you're saying, what was your, what was your beautiful quote? Say it again. Oh, the words that we speak become the house that we live in. The words that we speak become the house that we live in. What you focus on, you notice in the world around you. Right. Right. So if you are focused on how you always pick the wrong men or how you always get walked all over by everybody or how incredibly lonely you are or how incredibly unphotogenic you are or overweight you are, that's what your five senses and all like our own confirmation biases. We are programming that reticular activating system to notice and bring to our attention anytime it sees evidence that these things exist. Yes. Right. For example, whoever you started having a big fat crush on, you saw what kind of car he or she drives. Don't you start noticing that that car is everywhere in every parking lot? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. And that's because all of a sudden a Nissan Pathfinder is important information. And so your brain is picking out every single one it sees, like there it is, there it is, there it is. You had no idea how many Nissan Pathfinders there were in this world until it became relevant to you, right? So if you want to um, if you want to have something happen positively in your life that isn't happening yet, you need to think about what it is that you want mm-hmm. rather than what you don't want. Because mm-hmm. the reticular activating system works both ways. So you can program it to notice every negative thing that you want And I always equate that to like having some new app on your phone that's giving you notifications every 10 minutes, right? That you don't need. For example, my husband and I went and saw a comedian downtown the other night and we had to download this parking app um, and bought a parking space. Well, at four in the morning, we got a notification, an obnoxious notification um, that our parking space was now expired. I didn't want that notification. I didn't need that notification. And we do that with ourselves, with all the negative things that we don't like. We're programming that reticular activating system to please send us a notification every time it notices that we're lonely or overweight or unphotogenic, Mm -hmm. right? We don't need those notifications. What we want to do is start noticing the opportunities that exist, right? I'm so incredibly lonely. I wish I could meet more people who were like me. Then what you, if you were focused on that, you would notice that your town and your community newsletter, there's a pickleball league for singles opening up, right? And they're taking registrations and your reticular activating system would be like, hey, ding, 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 notification. Here's a thing where you could meet like-minded people. Do you want to take advantage of that? Right? And maybe you will, or maybe you won't, but at least you will notice that that opportunity exists. And it won't just be, I'm so overweight. I'm so lonely. I'm, everybody else is better than me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I uh, that was too long, but <laughs> no, it was perfect. And I, 
I think that too, it kind of what, as you were talking, it made me think about when we do focus on the negative, right? So, and that could be just, um, oh gosh, I can't, I can't think of something on the top of my head at the moment, but when we start focusing on everything that's wrong with the date versus everything that's great about the date, as you know, I find that it's almost sometimes with my clients, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. So I had a client that, um, he was my client, was a matchmaking client. I'd set him up with, um, a match and she said that my client wasn't a fit for her because when he ordered his chicken sandwich, he said, oh gosh, this doesn't have enough barbecue sauce on it. And she said, well, why don't you ask for more barbecue sauce? And he goes, eh, good is good enough. And she told me that that was a red flag because life good is not good enough when it comes to life. Like I, you know, I want the best of the best. And I told her, I'm like, this is not his philosophy of life. This is his philosophy about the chicken sandwich. Like one sandwich. It's not like, you know, and I feel like we do have that mechanism inside of us that's like really like wanting to go in and be like okay where's where's the danger where where's the negative what do I need to look out for when there really isn't anything there at all right and and I would chalk that up to bad strategy right that's the second step in this in this uh and and that's what you know clients who are chronically single um we got to take a look at some of the strategies that you're using because they may not be doing what you think that they're doing or what you intend for them to do. Right. And, you know, extrapolating significant meaning from little moments, you know, correlation may not be causation here. Right. So we have to take a look at some of the strategies that we're deploying specifically and say, is this serving me? Right. Is this putting me on the path or is this keeping me off the path? Right. right. Or is this damning my progress toward, down the path? Right. Because I'm so because I, I overthink or I extrapolate meaning from little insignificant things, because it might be a better strategy to collect that piece of feedback and say, interesting. I wonder if that has implications for how he, you know, his life, how he sees life in general or not. I should go out with him two or three more times to see what other kinds of data points I could collect, right? right. That's better strategy. Like yes. the strategy is to notice catalog, but that doesn't necessarily have to mean that's the end of the road. Like, let's see if we can, you know, the at least having two dots, then we could put a straight line through those two dots and say, this means something, right? right? If we go and we, there's one dot, it, it, one experience, then that line could still go any number of ways through that dot. Nobody knows. Right. So we need, I mean, better strategy to have more than one experience before we make that meaning because notorious, and this is something I learned while I was in that coaching program at the University of Texas, my intuitions are better than most people's, but I am only right, maybe 60% of the time, maybe, right? That means there's this huge margin of, of error in my conclusion making, in my meaning making of what people are telling me. So better strategy to collect as much data as we need before we make big decisions about what we're going to do moving forward. (laughs) Yeah. And I, yes, I think that 
you know, I always with my clients will, unless there is something that is absolutely, there is, there is no connection whatsoever. And sometimes that can happen. If you're just, I always have a saying that if you're curious, just go on a date again. If you're still curious about them, all the rest of it will figure itself out. You'll come to a head where you're like, whether it's going to be a red light, green light. But I think that to your point, when it taught, when we talk about strategy, it is important, not that we don't want you to be in the moment. It's not that we don't want you like forecasting and, and, and like viewing your future with the person on a first date, but having the strategy within yourself of really what, to your point, what's important, what isn't important. What does this mean when this trigger happens to me and I have these thoughts, like, why, why am I feeling that way? And what, how is this getting in the way of potential connection? Right. And especially with, if you're chronically single, because there is a common denominator, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's you. Right. And so, I mean, I think we need to honor the connections that we are making. I mean, they mean something, but they may not mean as you know, the finality that we make them mean could be an over overkill. Right. right. So right. maybe we dial that back. Take a look at your strategy, at least. Right. We got if we got belief under control, now we can start to look at strategy. Which of these things are helping me and which are maybe hurting me? Maybe I they're good intention. Like we have good reasons for all the strategies that we do. They are rooted in solid methodology, solid reasoning. And they still may not be serving you, right? They still may not be doing what you think you want them to do because, you know, there, there comes a, po- a time when y- you may think you're not crushing on that guy anymore. I don't need to keep noticing Nissan Pathfinders, right? right? That is not actually a good strategy or a helpful strategy anymore, right? At a time, maybe something that we did served us and now maybe we're past that. So we really need to take a look at our strategy and second guess, I don't know if that's the right way to say, but um, second guess if it still serves us and if it's getting us closer to what we want. Yes. And, yeah. um, you know, it's interesting because I create content on TikTok and on Instagram, but yeah, so you're, the, TikTok. you're the queen of TikTok. <laughs> I would not, I would not say that. I appreciate that. I would not say that. You know what? I have to tell you this moment. You probably don't know this, but um, as you were introducing yourself at the Love MBA, Amber, who was sitting next to me, leaned over to me and she like showed me her phone and she was like, she's like, I follow her on TikTok. That's yeah. Amber. She was like having this starstruck moment. Oh my gosh. She's so So, sweet. So yes, you are the queen of TikTok. Yeah, I, um, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, listeners don't forget. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I, um, it's interesting because people will push back and maybe you get this too, where it's like, why do we have to have a strategy when we're dating? Like, why isn't dating should be easier? Like why, why are all these rules? Like why, why can't we just date? And I get this a lot on my videos where it's like, why is it so difficult? But of course, it's coming from people who have been married for 35 years. They have no idea what the climate is. They have no idea how difficult it is for people to connect and be, you know, to be able to connect now more than ever, especially post-COVID. So what do, do you ever get that kind of pushback? Like in your, for, in your expertise, like how, 
what would you say to that? If someone's like, why do you need a dating strategy? Oh, I mean, that's a really good question. Yeah, of course I get that feedback. And, and what I'll say is, you know, when it's the right person, it feels easy and obvious, right? Yes. But, yes. um, but you know, we have to realize that the process of dating, it's not about playing the game. It's about solving the mystery. And you are the Sherlock Holmes of your dating mystery. And there are going to be clues that come up, right? And the, the mystery is, do we fit, right? Do we, would we be a good match, right? And I don't believe in one right match. I mean, I, I only believe in good fits, right? And, and, yes, and solid same. matches. Yeah. Um, so that's the mystery that we're trying to solve. And there's all these clues, context clues that are coming with us. And using strategies is a way that we can analyze the data to be able to make good decisions about, okay, now I have enough data. You're not a suspect, right? Or now I have enough data to pers keep pursuing this suspect, right? right. This, this, this could be it, yeah. right? So the strategies help us to be able to categorize and make sense of the context clues that we're getting. And when it's the right suspect, um, in this case, a suspect is a good match. Um, like those context clues are going to be pointing in that direction and moving forward is going to feel so easy and obvious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if we're getting a lot of friction and pushback, you know, those are some good context clues that we want to, um, to manage too. And, you know, even in my own relationship with my, with my husband, my now husband, uh, who I've been married to for 20 years, um, our first date was a train wreck. So if I had let that be the end all be all, where would I be now? I have no idea. Right. Um, but I, it wouldn't be married to him. If it weren't for my girlfriend who I called after this date, which was a total disaster and said, I'm so disappointed that I, he was so awkward. Like the situation was terrible. Like it just didn't work out the way that I had planned or that we had planned. And she was, you know, held my space open for me to say, give it one more chance. Like you're going to, you're in California where he was, just let him take you on another date. Don't cancel and just see what happens. Right. And I'm so glad that she did. If I had taken that like initial reaction of my body um, and my mind, I, I would have closed the window, the door to something that has been just my ultimate joy for 20 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the fact that we had an, an, awkward, anxious encounter 20 years ago, just is nothing. It's yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like this chicken sandwich example that you brought up, that means nothing. Right. Right. And I, yeah. I think a lot of people will not consider second dates because of that, the awkwardness or the anxiety. And I'm like, you're two complete strangers who are meeting for the first time. Yes. I mean, it's, going unless that person across the table from you is extremely charismatic right or just has that great charisma that they they're just easy to connect with everybody it's going it sometimes is that awkward like energy to where you know again like if you walk away from the date you should i mean i always what is your philosophy i always say three dates like get try to give it three dates before it's a complete no what do you usually yeah. say? I would love, I love a three date 
Yeah. I love a three date minimum. Well, cause here's the thing. It, I mean, the, coming back to brain biology, you've yeah. never been flustered before in front of like a, a, a group or an important situation right. where you said something stupid that is not you. It doesn't represent you. And you don't know why or how it even came out. Right. Like these things happen when we're flustered. If you're in front of somebody who you think is great, like that may just bring up all kinds of like in your brain and you may not be your best self. But, you know, one date, it is what it is, right? My, I've experienced that with my husband. Our second date, much better. Oh. Lots of connection. Still some awkwardness and some anxiety. I remember sitting across from him at this restaurant um, and like thinking, oh, it's kind of weird. Like it's hard for us to make eye contact. Like it still feels awkward, but we just had this great time, right? And then our third date, I mean, it was amazing. It was like, like, we found like it fits so well, but it really took to date three before I could solidly say, wow, this is a great connection. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't, if I had let the anxiety make the decision, I mean, that's just really bad strategy. It so I, strategy. I think, I think three dates is a really good strategy and worst case you end up going out with somebody, you know, two more times than you really wanted to like, oh, well, I got a, a, a free dinner twice. Right. Exactly. I had two evenings where I was entertained twice. Right. Right. But what are you risking? The thing that you're risking walking away from is so much more valuable. It's definitely worth that two date extra risk. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about, so your last two, your third is accountability. Yeah. Accountability, which means like we all, we all go this like January one, we're all gung ho. We are ready. We're going to exercise. We're going to eat healthy and, you know, life happens and we get busy and we end up having to work 60 hours a week instead of our normal 40. And like we lose perspective. I mean, it just becomes life happens to us. Right. But if we have a regular checkpoint, like I, for example, have been a a long time Weight Watchers member. Right. And the reason that I've got to go check in is because that's where my recommitment is coming to. That's where my re-inspiration is coming from. Right. From these weekly meetings. Um, And, and, you know, there have been times when I haven't gone to weekly meetings and I stray. Right. My Mm -hmm. eating strays and my portions grow larger. Right. So. If we're talking about wanting to stay accountable to good strategy, we have to have a network of people who we can connect to, um, who will re-motivate us and will help us toe the line, right? And I'll tell you what they can't be, and this is really bad strategy, um, to talk with other bitter singles. Yes. They are not your accountability partners. It is much better for you to connect with... um, motivated singles who are moving in the direction that you're moving in, who believe the way that you believe that's Mm -hmm. like number one, even better is people who are happily married. That is a much better accountability, you know, network for you to plug into, you know, your sister or your friend or your, you know, whoever you have in your life who is coworkers happily married, who believe the things that you believe are a much better partner for you to move forward. Because the truth is our reticular activating system is going to find whatever evidence you suggest that it should find. Right. So if you think there are nobody out there who have happy relationships, um, guess what kind of evidence you're going to find. Right. But if you're talking with people who are in long-term committed, loving, um, 
relationships with a lot of fidelity, you're going to be able to find a lot of evidence that those relationships exist too. So staying accountable and picking the proper accountability partners is what's going to make you last um, as long as it takes, right? You're out in the universe, you know, trying to find your person and they're out there in the universe too. And you may be missing each other. And what we have to be accountable until we actually intersect, right? We have to stay as long as it stays. I don't know if it's going to be 16 months. I don't know if it's going to be 18 months. I don't know if it's going to be three years, right? Or three weeks. But I know that you have to be deploying good strategies, which is hard. And so you need accountability to stay true to what you know is going to take you there in the end. Yes. Yeah. And just like your own personal story, I mean, you had a a great accountability partner. Like she was the one who encouraged you to go on that second date. He created my profile. Oh, this is the same. Oh, this is the the same photos. Like she was invested in this with me. She was. And I called her and said, it was a disaster. It was a gosh dang disaster. It was the worst date I've ever been on hands down. And she, and I explained what happened and there were some extenuating circumstances. And so she said, get, get to a place where you can control it a little better. Let him do what he had planned and let's see what happens then. Yet I'm so glad that she, you know, was my founding board and she wasn't, she didn't just buy into this like, oh, it was awkward. Oh, it was hard for you. Then bail. And you shouldn't have to put up with something like that because she easily could have, you know, I have lots of friends who would, who are like discomfort, what get out of there. Right. And you know, like somebody said this, I don't know where I picked it up from, but you've probably heard this. There's no comfort in the growth zone. Right. And there's no growth in the comfort zone. Right. Right. So I was way out there, but just the growth came. Right. And I got exactly what I was hoping for in the end, even though it came in a, you know, sort of a chaotic way at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of reasons I didn't want to go out with him in the first place. He lived in another state. There were some things that he had mentioned in his online profile, for example, that he had insomnia. And so for some reason, I just thought, oh, that could mean I extrapolated that to mean like, oh, maybe he's got some serious, you know, <laughs> he's off kilter in some way. Um And there were some, you know, what I thought were good reasons not to pursue it in the first place. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I went on this first date and it was horrible. Right. But the second date, everything changed. Third date, magic. Yeah. We don't know. Because because you become more comfortable with one another. And I think you, you really, you know, one of the things when people hire me, I always say, who's supporting you in this journey? Yeah. Because it is important. I mean, not only as us, you know, being our client's best advocate, making sure that they're doing, you know, have the best strategy, making sure that they're getting out of their own way, but we only get them for like this amount of time. Right. And yeah, yeah, who they're hanging out with, who's giving them advice. And I say that all the time in matchmaking where I'm like, yeah, I mean, people have their own agendas on your life on especially your love life. And then people also have an agenda on who you visually should be with and that whole, like that whole thing. So like, and if they don't meet the visual criteria of what this, you know, what your friends or family think you should be with. And they're, of course, they're going to say, nope, not a good fit or yep. You deserve better. or You need a man that's or whatever. Yeah. Picking your support team, your accountability partners is, a key component in this process 
of you ending up in the place where you want to be because they're, they're the ones that are going to be able to see, um, objectivity when you can't, right. So our brains get jungled and jumbled up and scared and triggered. And it's hard for us to make great decisions when we're in that zone, but because they don't really have a horse in that game, they can see things more objectively than you can. And hopefully leaning on somebody that you can, that can support you in that way will bridge that gap of, you know, chaos or fear. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing is luck. Yes. Yes. Luck. And there are all kinds of opportunities like the universe provides, Mm -hmm. right? It's just a matter of us tuning into and recognizing and really that belief part is directly connected with the luck part, right? Mm -hmm. You find that some people who think they're lucky always have lucky things happening to them, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a real correlation and causation, right? Because they're good at recognizing those opportunities and know when they should jump. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you think luck isn't on your side, well, start, you know, think again, because it, it, you create your own luck and there is so much opportunity um, and so many windows to jump through. If you are looking for where they exist, you know, they may not happen every day, may not be every week, but over a month's time, there's going to be several opportunities for you to jump. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I, um, there's been periods of time in my life where I felt that I was the most unlucky person and, um, you are, you're absolutely dead on and so smart that it is, you have to have a belief in yourself that you are lucky that you, um, I mean, yes, you work hard and you're putting yourself out there and you're doing the necessary steps like these other steps that you talked about. Right. But, um, if you believe like, yeah, if you believe that you're lucky and you believe that great things happen to you, they're going to happen to you. Well, and here's, here's a real pit. There's a one word pivot point. I give this to my clients all the time. If you're not lucky, if things are not happening the way that you want, that's a good, okay place to start, right? I'm not where I want to be at. I, this thing is happening. I don't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. The pivot word is the word instead. Hmm. What do I want instead? Instead of being walked all over by people, I want to express who I am and what I need more often. Right? If you and if you say that to yourself, I want to express who I am and what I want more often. Then when you find yourself in a conversation where somebody's starting to like encroach on on you and who you are and what in what you want to be, your reticular activating system will say, hey, this is your chance. Speak up. Now is the moment, right? And mm-hmm. you didn't notice that happening before because you weren't focused on it. Right. You weren't focused on, please show me opportunities where I can stand up, right? Show me opportunities where I can be outgoing. Show me opportunities where I can speak up. But if you focus on those things, you'll notice that they are happening all the time. And I promise these other people who are doing that to you, that's the difference, right? Right. Right. They are focused on, let me find a place where I can insert myself, Mm -hmm. right? And they notice them and they take them more often because they're, they, they're focused on that's what they want rather than people walk all over me. I never get what I want. I just have to take what's left. Right. Right. It's a huge perspective shift and that word instead 
is such a, a valuable pivot point because you can plug it in as soon as you start hearing yourself saying, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't want, I hate. What do I want instead? Mm-hmm. That's going to help you recognize those things. And then your reticular activating will do the rest. Ah, oh, brilliant. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, um, oh my gosh, I hope that, I think this is an incredible episode. Hopefully, um, audience has been taking notes because I feel like just going back and even maybe listening to the episode a second time, because there has been great, even as you've been speaking, there's some great tidbits of little things that people can implement into their dating lives. And, um, wow. What an incredible, like wealth of knowledge. Well, thank you. I'm so glad that you think this is meaningful. And 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 I'll tell you, this is not just coming out of nowhere. I mean, I've been replicating the same results with clients again and again. And I'm telling you, these are the things that line up. They manage yes. their belief better than they were before. They deploy better strategy than they were before. They get better accountability than they used to have. And they notice these lucky opportunities and they take them more often. Right. And that is the thing that connects people to their happily ever after. It really is that simple. Well, uh, if, if uh, someone in the audience is listening to this going, okay, I want to know more about Kristen. I want her to, you know, how does, how do people find you? Oh, well, I, you know, first of all, I would say hire Kat. You're probably better than me at, at almost everything. So go to Kat. She's your girl. <laughs> but if you, I don't, if you, I'm not doing group coaching though. I'm not doing. Group okay. Coaching. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you need an affordable coaching option, then come to me. Um, yeah. You can find me at my website, kristensokol.com. And Kristen is spelled with a K and an I N. Um, kind of like Justin, right? Yes. K-R-I-S-T-I-N, um, S-O-K-O-L. And there's mm-hmm. a contact me part of my website. So just reach out to me. I read every every email that I get that comes through that contact form. So, and I'll respond to it. I'm happy to be part of your journey. I've been doing it for, like I said, almost 20 years. I love what I do. It's my lifeblood. It's part of my identity. It's certainly my passion. Yes. Well, you can certainly tell in how you speak about it and just the incredible knowledge. And, um, you know, I can tell that, you know, empathy and yeah, it's just, I'm so happy our, our paths have crossed. I'm so happy that you said yes to this podcast. I'm delighted. And I, you know, I admire anybody who has their own podcast because it does, it takes a great deal of work and to, to build a following the way that you have is really admirable. So I'm just, I want you to know, I've learned so much from, from, you know, having a chance to get to know you and speak with you too. Wonderful. Well, maybe I can have you get back again. We could do part two. We can talk about, I mean, I feel like you and I could talk about so many things. So I have so many things to share and say, and being a a podcast guest is one of my favorite things to do. So call me anytime. I will do that. All right. Well, thanks (laughs) for being here and hope to see you again soon. Pleasure. Bye everybody. All right, my friend, I am, I hope you got, I hope you took some notes 
you know, I think that it's always wonderful to, you know, we always learn something and especially, um, you know, I'm a, I know I'm a relationship science nerd and I even learned something brand new on this show. So hopefully you did too. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of Dear Matchmaker. We would not be here without you. And just as a quick reminder, this podcast is a labor of love, my friend. (laughs) I'm out here. I'm in the trenches giving you all of the good stuff for free. Um, So just as a reminder, you know, this podcast is brought to you by my agency, theheartagency.com. We're out for matchmaking, dating, coaching, singles events, image consulting, and so much more. If you want more information, please head over to theheartagency.com. And you took Kristen's, you take Kristen's word for it. Come and follow me over at TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Cat Cantrell. All right. I would love to know your major takeaways. If there's any takeaways from this episode, please let me know. Shoot me a DM. You know, I always love to hear from you. And remember, true love is waiting for you. And I will see you next time. All right. 